Welcome to Check Rock. This is my very special own segment by myself. Sean is not here. Uh, I'm doing a kind of a on the spot. That's actually dope ass name. I'm probably calling it on the spot. It's called on the spot. <laughs> Just came up with the name right now. Um, so really, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go down damn near every trade, or well, all the the major trades, the major trades to me, and I'm I'm just gonna talk about them. Um, so the first trade, the start off trade deadline, was the Sixers, my Philadelphia 76ers, trading Buddy Hield for Furkan Korkmaz, who finally gets his trade request, Marcus Morris, who we kind of figured was gonna be one of the odd men out, three first or second round picks, which we acquired kind of through like different trades, and we weren't really gonna use them anyway. Um, we got Buddy Hill. I think it has a great amount of shooting. Obviously, none of this really matters if Joel's not healthy. We kind of just have Buddy um, as another spacer that helps Tyrese, you know, get to the rim, do more things. I feel like we lacked a lot of spacing. And I'm going to get into my Sixers really um, a lot more at the end of the video because uh, I got a lot, a lot to say. Um, then, then we got another trade, which was kind of shocking a little bit. Uh, the uh, Utah Jazz trade uh, Ochi Abaji. Um, I thought, you know, when they made a trade uh, – they made a trade for uh, Fonseco. Um, I forget. I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name, but they made a trade for him, and he was kind of splitting minutes with Ochi Abaji. So I thought that he may be – they were maybe trading him to open up space for Ochi and Ochai, and they end up trading him. Kelly Olenek and uh, Ochi Abaji uh, go to the Raptor, Raptors. The Jazz get Otto Porter, um, Kara Lewis Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. Um, it's kind of a neutral trade because, like, the – the Raptors, you know, they get another guy from Canada. I think that's cool. Um, Ochi Abaji added to what they already have. I think it's very cool. Like, I think what they have right now, it kind of reminds me of, like, that Brooklyn Nets team. That Brooklyn Nets team where they had D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, like all these young guys coming together who kind of were, like, casted off. Um, so, um, you get Ochi Abaji, 3 and D, Kelly Olenek. Everybody know he can space the floor. The Jazz getting Otto Porter and Kara Lewis. I think they're really doing it. To take a real chance at Kira Lewis, um, Otto Porter might be a guy that gets brought out. In um, the 2024 first-round pick, it doesn't ever hurt to get a first-round pick uh, for them. So it, it works for the Raptors, adding more spacing to Scotty and, um, and RJ and, and Emmanuel Quigley and, you know, losing Pascal, training OG and getting more, like, you know, bigger guys, bigger defensive guys. I mean, Kelly's not really the defensive guy, but still, like, spacing, adding that to Scotty's having a real breakoff season, just got – Put on as the uh, All Star reserve uh, for uh, um, Joel. I think I think he's replacing Joel. Um, so this is the next trade um, kind of didn't make sense. It's my six is the only reason I'm getting talking about it. Daniel House getting out uh, for like a second round pick doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But we we also get a second round pick back didn't really matter. Um, Gordon Hayward going to the Thunder. I thought that was kind of um, kind of out of left field. Um, I knew you know the Thunder obviously have assets to make damn near any trade for anybody. Uh, which makes them a very deadly team. And the fact that they're so good right now is very crazy. Um, so the Thunder receives Gordon Hayward. The Hornets receive, this is actually crazy, Vagisil, Vagisil, I don't know how to say his name, but I was calling him VM. VM was actually a pick back from the Sixers back in 2014 when Joel got drafted. And I guess he finally is overseas again. I guess he's finally into the NBA. Trey Mann, I feel like, was kind of getting buried behind all of the Thunder guards and Everybody who uh, all the guys over there and their success is like you kind of really don't have time for uh, a young talent to develop. Davis Bertans is going to get thrown around the league until his contract is eventually out, and I think it's out at the end of the season. So I think Gordon Hayward has a nice scoring punch to the Thunder. I think that it's, it's, it's a very good pickup for them, honestly. I mean, for the Hornets, it's kind of like your 
you're just doing things. You're just doing things for draft uh, comp- compensation, and you're just trying to you're trying to do something. I don't know. I honestly know what the Hornets are doing. Um, they did keep Miles Bridges. Uh, I think they made another trade, or they were a part of another trade, but I don't know how how that is. Now, this trade I think very is is very good for the Mavericks. So the Mavericks got Daniel Gafford um, from the Wizards. Uh, Wizards get Rashawn Holmes in like a twenty twenty first. 2024 first round pick. I think this is great. He's a rim running big. Um, I think Derek Lively has done well, but also he's a rookie and also he's been injured. So getting Daniel Gafford, another guy who can kind of play defense, undersized but has ups, really rim runs, kind of uh, I want to say Clint Capella mode, because um, he doesn't does he doesn't have the rebounding of a Clint Capella, but like kind of that 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 uh, rim running, throwing lobs. I think this is perfect fit for Luca. Um, just another option. Screen guy, screen and roll. I think it helps him out. And Rashawn Holmes is probably another guy that probably either stays on the Wizards or gets brought out. But, you know, the Wizards really do it for the 2024 first-round pick. And then we move on to the, the most – I think the the biggest trade of the day. Honestly, uh, it was the biggest trade of the day. The Knicks – I think the Knicks won – well, I didn't think. The Knicks won the trade deadline. They they have. They won the trade deadline. Um and uh, they, the Knicks get Alec Burks, Bonyan Bandanovich. Uh, the Pistons get Evan Fournier, Malachi Friend, Quentin Grimes, who's the big asset in that trade going back to the Pistons. Ryan Archie Agno, damn. Jalen Brunson loses one of his Villanova brothers, but they still, they still, they're still good. Um, two, fir- two future second-round picks and some cash. But for the Knicks getting those two guys to replace Evan Fournier, who was never going to play, Malachi Friend, Flynn, who was – kind of spotty minutes. Quentin Grimes is the guy that was actually in the rotation, but, like, I guess I don't know whether he was upset or they just didn't see him in the role or they wanted to go older. And um, getting Quentin Grimes back for the Pistons, I think Pistons had a real under, underrated um, deadline. I think they have had a really underrated deadline. They got a lot of good pieces back. They got a lot of good pieces back. I mean, it doesn't stop them from having damn near the worst record in NBA history, but it does help them. And, you know, get better. I feel like Quentin Grimes, you add that to what, what else you have in your young core. And that that adds a lot. You know, two four, they have two future second-round picks, Cash. Um, but the Knicks, Knicks are the big winner. Um, I think the Knicks have probably ca- catapulted themselves to the second-best team in the East. I'm like, I'm not even bullshitting you. I think the, the, the Knicks are now the second-best team in the East. Um, and, and, and I, yeah, I think it's not clear. I think they're the clear second-best team in the East now. Um, they got depth. They got the star guys. Obviously, Julius Randle's out with a dislocated shoulder right now. But OG, Alec Berg, Monjanovic, they, they, they're doing it. They're doing it. You, know, you, you resign Josh Hart in the offseason. Jalen Brunson's on fire. Every time I watch a Knicks game, he does not miss. So the Knicks, the Knicks are, I feel like they, they have a legit chance. And it's crazy from watching the Knicks, you know, in my entire tenure of watching the NBA, the Knicks were kind of the laughing stock. But now they're, they're legit. This is a legit contender. Like, a legit – I know Knicks fans, this is crazy. But you have a legit contender. Like, you get, you guys match up well against Boston. I mean, obviously, Boston will still be the favorite. But, like, you have a legit contender. Congratulations. Uh, the next trade kind of was weird, and it got weirder. This next trade got weird. Um, and it was the uh, Raptors trading Dennis Shooter and Thaddeus Young to the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And then the Raptors received Spencer Dinwiddie. So it was a weird trade because it was kind of guard for guard, and then they kind of added Thaddeus Young at the end. And then the Raptors make it even weirder 
by releasing Spencer Dinwiddie. They released him. They made this trade just to release them. And then they, they were talking about how they got under the cap. Um, and, like, from what the Raptors have already done, I guess it kind of makes sense to that they don't need him. But, like, making that trade and losing Dennis Shooter kind of doesn't make sense. Um, but I understand it from the, the cap perspective. So it's like, all right, they want to get under the text. And I guess they feel like, you know, Dennis Shooter is replaceable, especially with Emmanuel Quickly. Um, so, hey, it, it happened. And especially Dinwiddie is probably a guy that a lot of teams are going to look at, especially teams that didn't make moves, like Los Angeles. Um, the Mavericks, Mavericks made a move. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But, like, him going back to the Mavericks might be a move. Him going to the Sixers. The Sixers damn near have nobody on their roster now. And, uh, once again, Sixer fans, I'm getting to that at the end. And here we go, the, the, the other Mavs trade. Um, so, P.J. Washington uh, is going from the Hornets to the Mavs. The Hornets received receive Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first-round pick in 2027. Um, for them, I think they get a spacing. I think P.J. Washington is going to be for the Mavs what they thought Christian Wood was going to be, um, a spot-up shooter. Um, I don't know how he is really rebounding the ball, kind of sketchy with all that, but, like, I think he's going to be an upgrade of what you thought you were going to get from Christian Wood. And for the Hornets, getting Grant Williams, I honestly thought they were going to flip him, but we're here after the deadline. It's, appa- it's, it's apparently – it's currently 3.50 p.m., so we, we, the deadline's over. I thought they were going to flip Grant Williams. They have Grant Williams, they have Seth Curry, Seth Curry and they both add shooting, um, and Grant Williams adds defense. I don't really understand this for the Hornets, but then again, the Hornets are the Hornets, so – Nothing really makes sense. Um, next trade. Next trade was a was a weird one. Uh, another weird one. Um, so the Suns end up getting Royce O'Neal from the Nets, and they got David Roddy from the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies got pick swaps, and they got Yuta Watanabe, which is crazy because Yuta started his career with the Grizzlies. Um, the Grizzlies receive future pick swaps um, as well. I think I said that already. The Nets receive three future second-round uh, picks. And for, for the Grizzlies, I, they've been doing this a lot. Um, they've been trading guys that are kind of replaceable um, for, to get picks. Obviously, um, they're in a situation where they're not really competing for anything right now, and they're trying to get all their guys back healthy, and they've had a real injury-prone season from damn near top to bottom. And they traded Steven Adams not too long ago. I think they're clearing house of, like, guys that could be replaceable for them. And now they have a lot of picks. They're acquiring a lot of picks. So going into the offseason, the Grizzlies might be a team to look out for. Because they're they're adding a lot of picks and they added like some pick swaps, which if it's from the Suns is probably not going to be that good. But if yeah, it's probably not going to be that good. But I'm I'm guessing it's going to be like future future. I'm probably talking like probably twenty twenty nine, twenty thirty, where like the Suns could have probably broke broken up at that point, or you know, the team could you know yeah really have broken up. So this next trade as a Sixer fan killed my joy. And this is where I start to question Daryl Morey. Um, so the Bucks uh, trade for Patrick Beverly. The Sixers receive Cameron Payne and a second-round pick. Um, so I'm going to get into this a little bit more than I got into any, any of the other trades because this is my team. Sixers are my team. I don't know what the fuck Daryl Morey is doing. Like, I honest to God don't know what he's doing and what he's getting out of this. Cameron Payne, I looked up his stats. He's averaging like six points, two and two, like two point three assists, stuff like that. He is shooting thirty nine percent from three. We do need shooters, but once again, Patrick Beverly was a tone setter for us. 
was a tone setter, was a guy that that was pushing his teammates. Like you saw it in the Nuggets game, Raleigh and his teammates. You saw it in the Nuggets game. You saw it in that Boston game when we were shorthanded. Like, he, Raleigh's his teammates. He was the culture. He, he, as Sixers fans, we have lacked a culture, right? And I feel like culture is such a big thing in the NBA or sports or just a team in general. And Patrick Beverly brought culture to us. And here we are trading him for campaign and a second-round pick. It doesn't make sense for what we have. And, 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 and now we, we're lacking a guard. We're lacking defense. We're already out D'Anthony Mountain because he's out with a, a spine injury right now. Who knows when he's supposed to come back. He's supposed to come back two days ago, and, and they, he had a setback. So now we're out of Patrick Beverly, right out of our, our best perimeter defender. And we get back campaign. And, and, like, listen, you're on a Sixers down campaign, so I'm going to support you because I need you to do well um, right now. And then we're in a shithole, and we're sliding games. And Patrick Beverly – for me, it just didn't make sense. And Daryl Morey, like, I honestly don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, I don't know what you're doing. That first trade, like, that first trade, I was like, oh, shit, Daryl Morey. All we traded was Marcus Morris, the Furkan Korkmaz, and that's fucking three seconds. And we got Buddy Hill. Oh, shit, Daryl Morey's going to snap. And then he does some shit like this, where it's like, bro, I don't understand it. He was a culture setter for us. He was driving home for us. He was... He was a mentor in the locker room for us. And that short period of time, this half a season that Patrick Beverly has paid for the 76ers, it was felt. No, he didn't shoot the best from three. No, he wasn't the, the best offensive guy. But that defense, he brought that every night. Every night. And you can't, you can't disregard that. You cannot disregard that. And, like, I'm, like, it was really hurt. Like, I was really hurt on Patrick Beverly going somewhere else. And that should tell you how much he meant – to not just the team, but also the city. Like, Patrick Beverly, if you if you know Philly sports and you know the, the, the Philly area and how rowdy we are, how judgmental at times we are, Patrick Beverly just embodied that. We're a hard-nosed city. Patrick Beverly is that. And then losing that, and it doesn't make sense. Like, Daryl Morey has a lot to explain. This, this, this press conference or whatever he does, he has a lot to explain. Because... This does not help us. It doesn't. Like, you might go, Patrick Beverly's not a shooter. Cameron Payne is shooting 39%. You, you kind of win because when Joel come back, you have another shooter. It's like, no, like that impact and those certain players that have that impact, you can't replace. You can't replace that certain, those certain players you cannot replace. I'm sorry. I'm checking because uh, make sure anybody else's. Kyle Lurie's a priority. Lots of people got better this morning. Competition, blah, blah. Joel tweeted. I'm, I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything. Um, it's, it's weird. Um, this, this trade this trade is very weird for me. Um, next trade. Uh, this doesn't matter. The Pacers get Doug McDermott. They flip Marcus Morris and the second-round pick get Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott is going back to the Pacers. Robin Lopez for cast consideration. Um, Delano, Delano Banton goes to the Blazers for a second-round pick. And this pit trade right here. Sixers, mind you, time is clicking, clicking. And this trade happened at, I believe, 259. 2.59 this trade came in. Jaden Springer for a second-round pick. For all those who could check Jaden Springer's stats, you're going to be like, oh, well, why, why, do you, why does this matter? You know, why does this individual player matter? He's a young guy who wasn't really going to get time anyway, and with all the additions – Possibly that was going to happen this deadline. He wasn't. He's going to get further down the bench. But it, f the Sixers did two things this 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 uh 
deadline that I hate. And it's not just losing the players. It's to where the players are going. They traded Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. They traded Jalen Springer to the Celtics. Those are two rivals. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And Jalen Springer, for all his offensive struggles, is a great defensive player. He's a raw defensive player. Now there's another Sixer killer. Like I see Jalen Springer going to the Celtics and just dogging the Sixers now in the limited minutes. And, and it, it just sucks that we're giving players away damn near for nothing. Like if you wanted to trade Jaden Springer, you picked up his option. You picked up his option. We picked up his option um earlier this year. If you wanted to trade it, if you wanted to trade it, trade Jaden Springer. I'm sorry, I can't even talk. I'm frustrated. If you wanted to trade Jaden Springer, you could have did in the offseason. You could have you could have done a lot of this shit in the offseason. And it, it just doesn't make sense. Like that's another move where it's like, why? Why? And then when the moves happen, I'm like, oh shit. It's like 259 deadline, but you know deadline, you know, moves coming in after the deadline. So I'm like, okay, cool. Is they're acquiring second round picks. Oh, they're probably going going after Drummond. Like Drummond was the name I thought they were going after. And then once they get this pick, once this trade goes through, probably three minutes later, Chicago Bulls and their their people drop that they're keeping Drummond. So I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe they, they go somewhere else because they were interested in Andre Drummond. They were interested in, in Kelly Olenek. Both were – one was traded already, and the other one was not available. So I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe there's a player that I'm not thinking about that the Sixers are going to get because they just, you know, they just got a second-round pick. They just got three second-round picks back. Nothing happens. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Nothing. So we traded Jada Springer. We traded Patrick Beverly for no fucking reason. No reason but just to say, we made a trade. We made a trade, guys. We made, we made a trade. And we opened up a roster spots. For who? Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry is, is two years from retiring, if not this year. Spencer Dinwiddie is our option. But, like, there's nobody. It, it, there was no. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense to do what you did. It, like, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. And then the last trade of the day was uh, Corey Joseph going to the Pacers where he's getting second round pick and cash considerations. So I'm, I've talked about all the trades um, in a little bit, um, some more than others. So now I get to get on Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey has put us in, in, in a situation where I don't know how we recover. And it's weird because on one hand, I want us to compete this year. And on the other hand, we don't have Joel. So it's like no matter what we do, wasn't really going to hold as much weight as it could possibly hold because Joel's out. Like that Buddy Hill pickup is a tremendous pickup, but only if Joel's there. Because that gravity of, of Buddy Hill and that gravity of Tyrese Maxey and that gravity of Joel Embiid helps the team so much. It helps Tobias Harris. It helps the Kelly Oubre's. It helps the, the, the now um, – but Robert Covington, when he gets back, the Anthony Mountains, those guys to cut into the rim and get into those actions. It helps those guys. But none of this shit matters if Joel's injured. And so I'm, like, holding that, and I'm, like, trying not to get as mad as I possibly could. Because um, if Joel's healthy and this would, these were the moves that we made, I would be fucking furious. I would be fucking furious. Like, this, this is all you did? So, like, a part of me is like, okay, this season might be a dud anyway. Right, I don't look at this team and go, "This is a championship contender." 
like another guy who I wanted us to get or go try to go get is Michael Brogdon. Michael Brogdon is still in nobody could get him. He's still he's still in the trailblazers right now. Bananovich and, and Burks, they said we were in ter- talks with them, and I'm pretty sure that the Pistons wanted Tobias Harris. So you're telling me you are willing to let a rival in the New York Knicks get both of those players because you wanted to keep Tobias Harris, who's expiring contract, and nine times out of ten, the Pistons were going to fucking pay, overpay anyway. So you let a rival get two guys you could have got because of Tobias Harris. And although I respect Tobias Harris and I respect what he's done for, for, for the locker room and he has had games and he does deserve more respect than he has gotten, but the contract, it's hard to give him the respect because every time he does something, it's like, he's supposed to do that. And Tobias Harris is just not that player. And the Sixers kind of pigeonholed. Um, Elton Brand was his first-year GM, threw him money because they lost Jimmy, and it was like, okay, we can't, we can't lose everybody. We, we are in a situation where, like, hey – if Joel comes back, Kyle Lowry, it seems like Kyle Lowry is damn near a sixer. We're just waiting for the buyout. Spencer Dinwiddie Den- could possibly be a sixer. Um, I don't know any other backup bigs um, that, that is out there. I think Paul Reed is cool, but, like, I don't, I don't really trust him that much. I don't trust Obama that much. Getting a, a backup center, like a legit backup center, would really help that, especially in the times that we're in right now. With no Joel Embiid, um, it, it sucks right now, honestly, to be a Sixer fan. And I know there's teams like Chicago, the Lakers, Lakers fans, um, Hawks fans, where there's there, there was no trade at all. And Bulls fans, I'm sorry that it's like this. Lakers fans, you kind of brought it on to yourself. And then the Hawks fans, it's like it's kind of like the Paul George thing with the, 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 the uh, Hawks fans. Kind of like when Paul George kind of called out the Pacers with being happy with being okay. And I think that's what the Hawks have done. They've been happy with being okay. The Chicago Bulls are trying to run back a 30-win team. The Lakers don't look great, but they've also been injured. And they've been trying to throw players around and stuff like that. And then they were looking into DeJounte Murray. Then D'Angelo Russell started playing well, which kind of made them kind of a little stingy. I'm not wanting to let go of D'Angelo Russell to get DeJounte Murray. There's a lot of weirdness, and I feel like this is one of the more strategic, I would say strategic deadlines that we've had because I feel like there's a lot of parity. I was I was in um, Kenny Beecham, uh, King of Fourth Quarters. I was in his Twitch chat, and he was like, he feels though a lot of teams didn't make moves because there's so much parity. There's so much parity. So teams that don't, that should not believe they have a chance, have a chance because of the parity. Like, we might not have the top players, but we do have depth. So, we could possibly beat a, uh, beat a team that's top-heavy. But we, we, are, we are, as Sixer fans, and bringing it back to us, we're in a very weird situation. A very weird situation. And, and, and I don't know really where to go with this. Um, having Buddy with Hill is, is going to be nice. Campaign. Haven't really watched enough with him. Just looked at stats and, and looks cool. Kyle Lowry is most likely on his way. But, like, other than that, it's kind of like, bro, that's – we we got kind of older um, in a way. Uh, and I know we, we got to fill out our roster as well. Our roster is very thin. I think what De'Anthony Mountain, Robert Covington, voice just cracked. Just ignore that. Like, De'Anthony Mountain, Robert Covington, Tyrese Maxey, 
Um, damn, uh, Joel Embiid, Nicholas Batum, um, KJ Martin, who's still on the team, which was drawing interest, was kind of weird that they that he wasn't one of the, the guys that they traded for a second round pick didn't make sense because he wasn't even pay, playing. Jaden Springer was playing more than KJ Martin. He's still there, so I I expect them to potentially Paul Reed and Mobamba. Like it's it's a very weird like we have a very weird team of guys, and and don't get me wrong, Buddy Hill is going to help. Um, I'm pretty sure campaign in his ways is going to help. Um, it just it just doesn't seem right. Obviously, all this is not going to seem right because Joel's not healthy. So. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Um, tell me in the comments if you're watching this how your team did. What's your reaction to the trades? Um, New York by far won it. Won it. I think the Pistons had a very sneaky one. They had a very sneaky one. Though it doesn't, it won't hold weight because of where they are already. They're damn near already eliminated for the playoffs already. And here we are in fucking February. But tell me how your team did. Tell me what you would want your team to do. Um, buyout market should be happening right now as we speak, and teams should be gouging for players to get brought out. Um, Gallinari is probably a guy that might get brought out, you know, spacing, stuff like that. Um, it's very weird. Weird times we are as NBA fans, and uh, a lot of a lot of teams a lot of teams didn't do nothing. I think last year 28 teams made trades, and this year it was 16 trades altogether. Um, very weird. Very weird situation we're in. Um, so tell me how your team did. Tell me what you want to team your team to do. Because um, a lot of teams didn't do nothing at all. And, um, hey, I uh, appreciate you for watching. I don't know what else to say. This is very weird. I'm kind of frustrated, but I'm also not frustrated. But it's like I am. Um, it's very weird. Um, so I appreciate you guys for watching. Um, thank you for tuning in to this very special edition of kind of on the spot. On the spot. I named it. I named it on the spot once I started. I don't know how I got the name, but I, I kind of like it. Kind of like it. Um, I appreciate you for watching. And until next time, peace.